0: Mark chapter 9, verses 1 to 13. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before him, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we're here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen, until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, as it is written of him. Now that I'm a grandpa, I'm rediscovering little children and and what it is that amuses little children. And the somewhat disturbing discovery that I've made is grandpa's not always the main attraction Um, because everyone knows that Grandpa's supposed to be the main attraction, but sometimes this Grandpa can be doing his very best to entertain young Sammy, but then he just has a quick glance across the room and, ooh, something shiny, and he's off to the shiny thing. And it doesn't matter how inanimate and boring that shiny thing is, simply because it's shiny, it wins over Grandpa hands down every time. Now... Today's Bible reading is what's known as the Transfiguration. And because a lot of us don't really know our Old Testament that well, um, the significance of the Transfiguration, it it can sometimes tend to get a bit lost. And it can just become, ooh, something shiny. And yeah, it, it would have been a truly amazing sight to see. Jesus being all shiny and whatnot. It would have been really special for Peter, James, and John to see the glory of God shining out through Jesus. But the transfiguration is much more than just a shiny thing. You know, when I first began preparing for this message this week, I thought, oh, this will be a short one. There's not much to say about the transfiguration. Um, I was wrong. Well, actually, I was right. It is going to be a short one this morning because there's so much here, I decided to divide it into two. So we're going to spend a bit more time on it next week as well. Uh, Because when Jesus was transfigured, this is much, much more significant than just, ooh, something shiny. He was showing us much more than that. In our Bible reading last week, um, Jesus said some really tough stuff. He told us, that the Son of Man would be rejected, that he would suffer, that he would die. And not only that, he also told us that anyone who would come after him, anyone who would be a disciple of Jesus, would have to take up their own cross in order to follow him. That means we need to be prepared to be persecuted and maybe even die for Jesus. He said some really tough stuff. He told us that if we try to hold on to this life, we ultimately lose it. But if we lose our life for Jesus and for the sake of his gospel, we save it. Now, for anyone who doesn't have faith in Jesus, well, that's just a ridiculous nonsense. I mean, they were thinking, well, why would you do that? It makes no sense to them at all because from a worldly perspective, life and legacy is is all we have. And so their values would be, well, we've got to live life to the fullest. We've got to enjoy life as much as we can. We have to enjoy the time that we have and we have to extend our life for as long as possible. And maybe maybe we can make a name for ourselves while we're living and our name might be able to live on for a few generations if we can do something truly significant. That's the greatest the world has to offer, And compared to eternity, it's a bit pathetic, really, isn't it? But when we do have faith in Jesus, isn't it marvellous? It it is actually a marvellous thing that if we lose our life for Jesus and for the sake of the gospel, we save it. You see, Jesus, he doesn't leave us without hope. Jesus always points us forward And he always wants to take us beyond where we are now. Isn't that that a wonderful encouragement? Jesus doesn't want any of us to be spiritually stagnant. He doesn't want me to be spiritually stagnant. He doesn't want you to be spiritually stagnant. He always points us forward to the coming kingdom of God. And if you ever find that, that you're getting stagnant in your faith... Well, how about instead of looking back, start looking forwards. Start looking forwards to the day when the kingdom of God comes. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. All right, that why are the disciples of Jesus being encouraged not to grasp onto this life? It's because the kingdom of God is coming in power, where there will be eternal life and glory in Jesus Christ. This life, the life that we live now, is short. This life, it can be very shallow. It can sometimes be filled with pain. And persecution and torment our current bodies are weak and we've been reminded of this again this week our earthly bodies are not eternal some get sick some get sick and die the rest of us grow old and die this life will come to an end but Jesus points us forwards to the kingdom of God, and when the kingdom of God comes in power. But when is that? What's, what's Jesus talking about here? In the Gospel of Mark, the kingdom of God is a favourite theme. It keeps coming up. The kingdom of God is something that turns worldly values completely upside down. In the world, financial wealth is something that opens doors. But Jesus said how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's so difficult, he says it's like trying to get get a camel to go through the eye of a needle, which is impossible. In the world, Education and the experience of years sets a person up to succeed. But Jesus said that the kingdom of God belongs to little children. He said, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. He's talking about faith. A child will just receive things by faith. The kingdom of God is mysterious something that we have to accept by faith and in the eyes of the world it's totally insignificant but it's growing all the time the kingdom of God just keeps growing and growing and becomes this amazing work of God and by many its significance will not be recognized but they'll know about it on the day of judgment the world, well, it teaches us to grasp hold of whatever we can and to hold on to it as tight as we can. But the kingdom of God is something where we would give up everything to attain it. We would repent of sin. We would even renounce self. We change the way we live. And we would even give up worldly possessions. All of these things that that once used to be our priority, they're no longer our priority. We'd give up everything to follow the kingdom of God. This world focuses on self. But the kingdom of God is something, well, it's not something we just believe. It's something that we actually put into action and that action is not self-focused. It is an outworking action where, where we love God And we love others. So in, in the Gospel of Mark, the overall picture of the kingdom of God is something that has begun. It's something that is growing and it's something that we enter. But in today's reading is the only spots where it talks in terms of the kingdom of God coming in power. Jesus told his disciples that some of them would not taste death until they saw the kingdom of God come in power. Let me tell you, there's been a lot of ink spilt over that statement as people have tried to nut it out. Because we understand that the kingdom of God comes in power when Jesus returns. That's what we understand? That's what we believe? Yeah? We know that when Jesus returns... All those who have died will be raised back to life. Those who have rejected Jesus will be raised to be judged. Those who have died in the Lord will be raised to glorious eternal life. We know this. And that's when Jesus will establish his new kingdom. We know this from the scriptures. You looking forward to that day? Put your hand up if you're looking forward to that day. Excellent. 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 Sometimes I think we just don't think about it. But when you think about it, boy, oh boy, I'm looking forward to it. On that day, we're not going to have to put up with politicians who lie and cheat and make empty promises, promises that they never intend to keep, just promises that they make simply so that the gullible public, us, uh, might happen to vote for them again. We're not going to have to put up with politicians like that anymore. Nor will we ever have to put up with the oppression of a dictatorial despot. We look forward to when Jesus returns because Jesus will reign as king. Jesus will rule. All evil will be gone. There'll be no sickness, there'll be no disease. This is when death will be swallowed up in victory and when all that remains is life, joy, peace and the amazing glory of God. That's what it's going to be like when Jesus' kingdom comes in power. But Jesus is telling his disciples that some of them would see it before they died. What's that about? Was Jesus mistaken? I mean, Jesus told us that nobody knows that the day that Jesus will return at that stage, not even Jesus knew, but only God the Father. So was he mistaken to speak about such things because he didn't know but, and he just thought that way? No, I don't think that's what it's about. When I was a little kid, and yes, for those who want to mock me, that was last century, and well and truly back in last century, every few years, our family had gone on a holiday to the beach. Now, for a kid who lived in the bush, this was a very exciting event, to be able to sit, go to the beach. And as we drove closer and closer to the coast, mum and dad had talk it up a bit, and us kids would get more and more excited, and... and um, And up until, you know, we sort of start getting a bit closer. And before then, we'd sort of be saying, how much further is it? And they'd go, oh, about another three hours. Uh." Well, you only asked five minutes ago. Anyway, but then we get closer and closer. And then mum and dad give us a heads up. It won't be long until you catch a glimpse of the sea. Keep looking and us kids, it'd be, like, it'd be like a competition to see who saw the sea first. And sometimes you'd be on a windy mountain road or something and, and you, you'd sort of come around a bend and then there'd be a gap in a tree, a gap in the trees, and, and you'd sort of look out and there'd be sort of between two hills, you might be able to just catch a tiny little glimpse of the sea and, and somebody'd yell out, I see the sea. A- am I describing anyone else's childhood here? It is I am, oh good, good. it wasn't only us. Now, there'll be some people who are hearing this and thinking I can't I can't understand that. Well that's because they probably weren't a kid and growing up inland. but for a kid that grew up on the inland and only got to see the sea a few times in, in their childhood, well, this is a very exciting thing. But um, every now and then we'd catch a glimpse of it. Now, Mum and dad had told us we were going to the beach and, of course, we believed them. It wasn't like we disbelieved them. But didn't those little glimpses that we saw as we were getting closer, didn't that remind us and assure us it's coming, it's coming? Yes, we already believed it, but it's coming, it's coming and we see a little bit of a glimpse, it's getting closer, it's getting closer, we're going to be there soon, right? It's not just an empty promise of mum and dad. Then finally, of course, you'd go over a rise. Then you'd wonder how you were only seeing little glimpses of it before because there's, I was going to say the whole Pacific Ocean, but only a tiny portion of the Pacific Ocean in front of you. And we're there. Well, that's a bit like what's happening here in this Bible reading. The kingdom of God arrives in all of its fullness and all of its power When Jesus returns. But Jesus did give his disciples little glimpses of of what it would be like, of what his kingdom would be like when it comes in power. When Jesus was raised from the dead, that was one of the glimpses. Some who heard those words of Jesus that day did get to see the kingdom of God come in power, they caught a little glimpse of it when Jesus was raised from the dead. And the resurrection of Jesus is proof that we will be raised from the dead. The Apostle Paul describes Jesus as the first fruits of the resurrection. There's more to come. Jesus was the first, we also will be raised. It's a glimpse of the, when the kingdom of God comes in power and when all of God's children will be raised from the dead. So that's, that's one glimpse. And the transfiguration, well, that's another glimpse of the kingdom of God coming in power. 1 Thessalonians 4 is a wonderful passage and it reveals how those who are in Christ who have died and those who are in Christ who are still alive, well, all of us get to be there at the return of Jesus. None of God's children miss out, whether you're alive or whether you've died. Let's read it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. So when he's talking about those who are asleep, he's talking about those who have died. Because for a Christian, death is like sleep, because it's not the end. You're going to wake up again. So we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore encourage one another with these words. And wow, what what an encouragement those words really are. We will always be with the Lord. In health, in sickness, in life, in death, we are with the Lord. The dead in Christ rise first and those who are still living are caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, has it ever dawned on you that the transfigurations Is a little glimpse of this event. Jesus meets here with two Old Testament characters, Moses and Elijah. Moses never made it to the promised land. Moses died and he is buried in a valley in the land of Moab, Moab, but his exact burial place was never known. Moses died and was buried. But not so for Elijah. As Elijah and Elisha walked and talked, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them and Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. Second Kings chapter 2, if you want to read about it. Elijah never died. He was taken up to meet the Lord in the air. And so here, at the transfiguration of Jesus, we have the image of one person who has died and one person who has snatched up to be with the Lord together with Jesus. And here we don't just see Jesus as an ordinary man. Jesus is transfigured. And we catch a glimpse of the glory that Jesus will have on the day that he returns. His clothes are brighter than any detergent could ever get them. And it seemed like the light was shining out from him. It's a glimpse of the glory of God. We've got here a glimpse of when the kingdom of God comes in power. Those who have died... Together with those who have not yet died but have been snatched up to be with the Lord in the air, together with the glorified Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the disciples saw in the Transfiguration. And it's a glimpse of what's going to happen when Jesus comes in power. Isn't that wonderful? Those who grasp on to life lose it. Those who lose their life for Jesus and for the sake of the gospel, save it. You know, the world would think this is all just a fairy tale. And the world would say that you and I are naive and childish they would say that we're gullible or evil, even simpletons for simply falling for such a story. But it's not a fairy tale. And you know it's not. In faith, we look forward with a certain hope. It's not, it's not a wishful hope. It's not, oh, I hope we might, this might happen. It's a certain hope. It's a sure thing that death is not the end and never, ever will we be parted from Jesus. And so we look forward with confidence and with an eager anticipation to the day when the kingdom of God comes in power and Jesus returns. So that's where we're going to leave it for today uh, and we'll talk more about the transfiguration next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just want to thank you today for this for these little glimpses that you showed the disciples of the coming glory of God. Of that time where your kingdom will come in power. And Lord, we thank you for those little glimpses and and how it just complements so beautifully what we read there in in Thessalonians where it talks about how those who have died will be raised. But Lord, what a wonderful promise that that we will never, ever be separated from Jesus. Lord, what a joy, what a hope. Lord, we just ask that you would give us confidence to, to follow you day by day And our hope is in you. In Jesus' name. Amen.